This morning, as we continue with the, the birth narrative of Jesus, that's been our focus throughout this month, beginning with uh, the angel's message proclaiming the, the coming birth of John, Jesus, and then the proclamation of Jesus' birth, the celebration of what God is doing in their lives, and then we saw last Sunday the peace that had been established in Zacharias's life, and then Sunday night we saw Jesus's birth. And today we're we're continuing this look. the The first two chapters of Luke contain uh, the focus on Jesus's birth, and then even uh, his childhood to a certain extent, with his visit to Jerusalem. And you could say that, and, and I pointed out last week that. Uh, you know, we, we kind of had a, a bookends, if you will, where the angel proclaimed to Zechariah and then John was born and Zechariah agreed with the angel and he was able to speak again. But in, in some ways, those themes that began the chapter are continuing today. We began with an angel coming and telling a very old man that his very old wife, who was barren, was going to have a baby. Today we are going to look at two people who have lived lives of faith and they're old. And they're going to be the two people that God uh, ordains to be there when Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple to offer sacrifices for him and to do everything they need to do in keeping with Mosaic law for their firstborn child. And it's interesting to me, one of the reasons why I wanted to look at this today especially is there's just a connection. You know, you have the old, you know, New Year's change where you have the New Year's pictured as a baby. And what's the current year always pictured as? An old man. You know, the idea that the new year begins fresh and new like a newborn baby, but by the end of the year... It's an old man ready to, ready to go home and to pass away. And, and in a similar way, that's kind of what we're having here. We have two elderly saints, uh, Simeon and Anna. And we don't know how old Simeon is. All we know is that he's old and that he has been told that he will not die until he sees the Lord's Messiah. And, and so he is... He is kind of waiting to die in a a weird way to say it. He is waiting to die. In fact, uh, as we'll see when he finally sees Jesus, kind of his first words, hey, I can die now, God, thank you. The second person is Anna. She is told, we're told she's a prophetess and, and that she is, we're actually given her age, that she is 84 when these things take place. And, uh, and that's 84 in a time without our science and our medical knowledge and our health. That's 84 at a time when people probably didn't get 84 easily. And she's done that living alone. And if there's one thing we know about uh, through studies is that it's people who live alone generally don't live as long as those who are in community and have family because They're missing that interaction that keeps them going. And yet here she is, she's 84 years old. So so she is an old lady by our standards and by their standards, she is definitely a very old lady. 
And I don't mean to harp on so much about the age, but it's truth. And when you get old, you give up being able to do things. And when you get old, Stop thinking ahead. You know, when you're a kid, you're thinking about 20, 30, 40 years ahead. You're thinking about, what am I going to do when I grow up? And when you get old, you just start wondering, what am I going to do for lunch? You know, I don't, I don't want to have plans that are too far out there, you know? Uh, Amy and I, our parents are getting close to 80 years old. This coming year, 24, my parents will turn 80. Uh, I only had one... My grandmother lived till she was almost 91. But my mom's parents both were dead before they were 80. My dad's dad, I believe he died about 84. Actually, he was 82. I can actually tell you the date. He was 82. So my parents, I'm starting to realize, they're both very healthy. But I also look at them and I think, we could have some serious changes in the next 10 years in my life. And that's, that's the condition that, that Simeon and Anna are in. And that is the condition we as a church to a certain extent are in. We're an older church. And so I want to look at this and think about what do we do at this stage in our lives? And how do we live? And for those of us that are younger, how do we live so that we might become like Simeon and Anna at the end of their lives? And so that's what we're going to look at as, as we go through, looking at their living faith. Because these are two people that definitely are uh, faithful saints. That's one of the reasons why they're in the position that they are. Much like uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were both righteous people. Simeon and Anna are described as devout and righteous and serving and holy. So let's, let's look at what they do, and what this living faith looks like. And we're going to go ahead and just chop up this passage. We're going to be in verses uh, 22 through 38 of Luke chapter 2. And, and the first thing we're going to look at at the very beginning, which includes Joseph and Mary as well, is, is we're going to see that living faith, part of this is that we should live in obedience to what God has revealed. As we, as we think about going into the new year, as we think about all the unknowns, we don't know who's going to win the next presidential election. We don't know if it's even going to matter who wins. We don't know if anything's going to change or how the world's going to go, what wars might begin, what more wars might end. There are so many things we don't know. We don't know how our lives are going to go. But what we do know is what God has revealed to us. And we can live in obedience to what God has revealed. And the question of how do we handle these different things that come up in our lives is, well, what would, what would God have us do in these situations? How is, how is His Word, what He has given to us, that He has revealed to us, and what His Holy Spirit has put on our hearts, what does that tell us? And let's live in those ways. And, and so the first part of a living faith is that we would live in obedience to what God has revealed. And that's what we see uh, everybody doing in this passage. In verse 22, when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed. And so basically uh, having a child in the Mosaic law made the woman unclean. If it was a boy, it was only 30 days. If it was a girl, it was two months, 60 days. It was double because it was a girl. and You were more unclean for bringing a girl into the world. 
Not only that, though, that Jesus is the first child that Mary's ever had. He's specifically the first male child. And when God set up the Mosaic Law, all the firstborn male children belonged to the Lord. They were His inheritance. Now, a thing happened where the Levites, the tribe, Levi, they stood with Moses at the, at the matter of the golden calf underneath Mount Sinai when he came down. He broke the Ten Commandments because the people were having a party and worshiping an idol. When, when Moses asked for support, the tribe of Levi that he happened to be from, he was a descendant of Levi, they stood with him and helped him put down the party and kill the people who were leading the party. Because of their behavior... God said that the Levites would serve him all their days. The Levites would not have any territory. So when you look at a map of Israel, there's no tribal territory of Levi. The Levites kind of became a non-tribe because they became those that served in the temple. They were given cities among the inheritance of their brothers, but they never had a territory that was all their own. They, they became the replacement for all the firstborn sons. The way it was designed, originally the way it was written, was that the firstborn sons wouldn't inherit the land. They would go off and become gods. They would work in the temple. But God gave the Levites that job, and within the Levites, the, tri, the, the, the family of Aaron became the high priest. But for that, because God put the Levites in that position, uh, there were certain requirements that needed to be done according to the law of Moses uh, for for Jesus, who was the firstborn. They had to basically uh, ransom him. They had to sacrifice and pay back for his sin and, and for the fact that the Levites were taking his place in the temple. He was ransomed in a sense. And so they they bring him to the temple, to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord. As verse 23 tells us, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's where the firstborn is is supposed to be his. And, And so in verse 24, And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now he's he's kept out. The, The original is a lamb or a young goat. But if you can't afford those things, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So that's already telling us his parents are poor. They don't have the money for the nice offering. They're giving him the very basic, smallest offering they can. Verse 25 tells us, as so, they're, so they are doing, uh, they are obeying according to what has been revealed to them through the Mosaic Law. Now here's the thing, Jesus is not sinful. He has no sin, and in essence, there is no need for him to have these sacrifices. There is no need for him to have any purification. But, just like with his baptism, he didn't need to repent. But what did he tell John? So that we might observe everything, (laughs) that we might do what is appropriate. Go ahead and baptize me at this moment. He didn't need it, but he went through it and did it so he would identify with his people. Same thing here. He is going through it so that he might identify with his people. They are, they are living in obedience to what is revealed to them so far. In verse 25 we read about, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was uh, within a right standing of the Lord and he was devout. And that word devout comes from a word that means to be cautious. 
In other words, he was God-fearing. So he lived properly, but he also, he didn't do it in a self-righteous way. He was God-fearing in how he lived. He was righteous and devout. And not only that, we're told he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now, the the consolation comes from uh, the word paraklesis, which is a calling to one's aid. We have a paraclete, somebody who, who stands alongside of you and cries out on your behalf, an advocate. This is what he is looking for. He is looking for the consolation, the, the one who would come to aid and give comfort to Israel. We are told that Jesus is a paraclete. We are told at times that the Holy Spirit for us is like a paraclete. This is what he is looking for. So here he is, Simeon. He, he, he's a righteous and devout man looking for the consolation of Israel. He's looking for the coming hope of the Messiah. He is looking for God to restore Israel, that the situation that they are living in is not what it is supposed to be, and he is looking for more in the Lord. Not only that, we're told, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So remember, the, the Holy Spirit came briefly on Zechariah. We, we, we know that the Holy Spirit was permanently on John, And that when John leapt, the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth and she prophesied. The Holy Spirit was not given to everybody in the nation of Israel. And sometimes the Holy Spirit would come upon a person for a certain task or a certain job. And then it would leave them. But Simeon, we are told, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He has the Holy Spirit in his life. And we're told in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Literally, he would not see death, but that first he would see the Lord's Christ. It's the same word there. And the idea is this contrast, this comparison, this equality of of he's looking to see, he's looking to experience, and to come to the end. He is ready. But it has been revealed to him. You're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. And so he is living in his life, going about his days. We don't know how long ago it was told this to him. We don't know how long he has lived with this knowledge. All we know is that it was revealed and he has been living with it. And that word revealed, it's the same word we get apocalypse from. You know, the revelation of St. John. It's an uncovering. Something that is hidden has been uncovered and shown to him. It's been revealed. That's the idea there. So he has had revelation that this is going to happen. And so verse 27 tells us, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. So what we see is things are coming together because people are being obedient to what God has revealed to them. Joseph and Mary are taking Jesus to the temple because that's what you're supposed to do to offer the right sacrifices. It's been revealed through the Mosaic Law. They're obeying. They haven't been told, hey, you need to go to the temple because a guy is going to prophesy over your son. It's going to be really cool. They they didn't know about that. I I mean, I, I can imagine what they must be going through as they're walking into the temple and some crazy old man that they don't know. And, and have you ever been in public where it doesn't happen to me anymore, but when our kids were little, you know, some older people might come up to you and start acting like those were their grandkids? It can be a little off-putting, 
right? It can be a little, what's going on here? You know, one of the, I, I hate to say it, but one of, the, one of the hardest things to do when our kids were little was to go and visit somebody in a nursing home. You weren't just visiting that one person you went to visit. No, everybody in the hallway had to stop you and gush over your children. And why not? They are living in a situation where there is so little beauty, so little joy, and all of a sudden, what comes into the door? But the future, hope, life, joy. And every single person that you didn't know wants to experience just a little bit of it and to gush over those cute little kids. You know, it can still be a little freaky to have people coming up that you don't know. And you're wondering, how am I going to disentangle myself from this? I, I mean, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But we, for all we know, Joseph, the whole time Simeon's doing this, some, Joseph's like, how do I unentangle myself from this guy? Because uh, what he does, and, and, and I guess I'm going to jump, I'm, I'm jumping ahead from what I want to be saying and doing, but... but all this, I'll, I'll hold on to that for just a minute. All of this is happening because they're being obedient. Simeon himself came in the Spirit into the temple. He is following the Holy Spirit's, Spirit's guidance and prompting. He doesn't know what's going on. He just knows to go to the temple. But he happens to come into the temple at the same time the parents, Joseph and Mary, are bringing Jesus into the temple. And they're all showing up at the same time. And verse uh, 20, uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, I think, there again. Yeah, they're all doing this. Now, uh, what's going to happen is, is Simeon is going to take Jesus and he's going to start speaking over him. And, and the, what, what I want us to see as we're going through that is, is our second point of living faith. And that is to have faith to see beyond. They, they've both been obedient Joseph and Mary are being obedient. Simeon is being obedient to what God has revealed to him. And for us, I think in our lives, we need to live in obedience to what God has revealed through His Word, through what the Holy Spirit tells us in our times of prayer and worship. But as we're, as we're living in obedience, the second part of that is that we would have faith to see beyond. Yep. Simeon didn't know what we don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit said, go to the temple, you're going to see the Messiah. All we know is, is that he went to the temple because he was being led by the Holy Spirit. And we see that Mary and Joseph, they probably didn't know what was going on. They hadn't been told, but they were doing what was appropriate, what had been revealed in the Mosaic Law. They, they, they can't see much farther away than that. And, and sometimes in our lives, we cannot see what is going to come from actions that we take or from circumstances we are in. There are, there are many times when something is going on in our lives and it feels terrible. And, and one of the things I am starting to do in, in my life, I'm trying to at least, is to take those things that feel like a, a, a punch to the gut and say, okay, it's a punch in the gut today. But maybe six months from now, maybe, maybe a year from now, maybe five years from now, I'm going to be able to look back at this point and say that was God's grace. And he was blessing us. We just couldn't tell. Or he's blessing me, and I just couldn't tell. It felt awful at the time, but God was working. We can't see how he's going to work. We can't see what's going to come out of it. But, but to, try to try to see beyond, and we do that with faith. We have to have faith to see beyond what is currently happening and what our lives are like. 
And, and that's what Simeon does. Remember, he's an, he's an older man who's looking to die. Jesus is a baby. Simeon is, is waiting and he has been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. That he would not see death, but that he would see the Lord's Christ first. But, but here's the thing. He doesn't get to see the Lord's Christ grow up. He doesn't get to see the Lord's Christ save Israel. He just gets to see Him. And when He sees Him, He's a baby. All that potential, but not, not active yet. And yet, that's what He sees. But, but His proclamation isn't, oh, what a cute little baby. No, He has faith to see beyond what He is looking at today. Verse 28 tells us, then he took him into his arms. That's when, that's when you're like, Joseph is thinking, what's going on here? How do I, what do I do? Or maybe the Holy Spirit has told Joseph and everything's simpatico. Maybe Joseph is just going along with it and he's okay. But he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, now Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. His first words out of his mouth are, all right, Lord, I'm finally going to die. I've seen him. You're, you're, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. This isn't a sorrow thing. He is looking forward to the next chapter of his life. He, he has a belief beyond this life. He has served his purpose in this world and in this life, and he is ready to move on. And he has come to that point. So he says, he says, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. I think part of what's going on there also is this is a sign. Just like it was a sign to, to Mary that Elizabeth, her elderly cousin, uh, had a baby. And, that, and, and Zacharias not being able to talk was a sign to all the people that he'd had a vision. This man is a sign. His life is a sign. Think about that. His life is a sign to what God is doing. Wouldn't it be great if, if when we all gather to say goodbye to you and you're up in a box in front of us here, wouldn't it be great to say his or her life was a sign of what God was doing in the world? You know, Methuselah, the, the oldest man who recorded that ever lived, he died the year of the flood. He lived a long time for a purpose. It was a sign of God's holding out the judgment on the people, on the world. And here we have Simeon, and he's old and he's ready to die because God has finally done according to his word, and he's ready to, to fulfill his life. He continues in verse 30, he says the reason, For my eyes have seen your salvation. which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. My eyes have seen your, your salvation, which you have prepared. And you've done it in the pres pre presence of all the people. Verse 32, he says, A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And, and that quote, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, that's straight out of Isaiah. In fact, several times in Isaiah. And so there's a focus not just on the consolation of Israel, but for the world. 
And Simeon, as he's proclaiming this in the power of the Holy Spirit, looking at the Messiah, says this isn't just about the consolation of Israel. This child is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He is looking ahead. Now he's looking at a baby, and he's looking at a baby that he won't see grow up. But he's looking because of faith. In his faith, he's looking on. And, and, and we're told uh, his father and mother, Joseph and Mary, were amazed at the things which were being said about him, being said about Jesus. One of the things as I, as I, I, I think about Simeon in this situation, uh, he reminds me of what we are told in Hebrews 11 about the, the great cloud of witnesses and those that have lived in faith prior to us. You know, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews goes on about Adam and, and Noah and, and Moses. He, he, he goes on and on about all these people who lived in faith. And he's talking about Abraham who lived in faith. And then he interrupts his, his litany about faith to tell us in Hebrews 11.13, And all these died in faith without receiving the promises. Now just think about that. The promise was made to Abraham. He never saw it. He was given the land. He got to walk around in it. He never owned it himself. He always lived in it as a sojourner. Even Isaac. Even Jacob. It wasn't until 400 years later that the Israelites came back and actually took the land. And you know, the, the actual markings of the land that God gave Abraham, Israel has never possessed all of it. That is still to be fulfilled. But Abraham never saw it. He never saw his descendants that would outnumber the stars and the sand. He saw one boy. But he never saw the rest. He died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. That's how, that's how they had experienced the, the promise of salvation. They didn't see Christ in the Old Testament, but they, they, they saw and welcomed from a distance, but they never received the promise. Faith, in a lot of ways, it, it's really upsetting to me, but it's true. Faith is something that you never... It, what you're believing in and hoping in, in this life, most likely, you'll never obtain it. And that's faith. Faith is holding on in hope to the Lord for that which you have not yet seen and that which you may never see. And that's faith. We like to think of the people of faith as those who have uh, obtained the victory and they can prove it to us and, and they can show it to us and they are so happy. But the real faith the, the faith that we see time and time again in Scripture, the faith of Simeon, is the faith that sees from afar, but never actually receives what they hoped for, what they believed in from the Lord. And yet, they keep faith. They haven't received it, but they would rather live in this world as sojourners and exiles, as aliens, I think is what he says. Yeah, having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Instead of saying, oh, this is my land, this is my kingdom. No, they were always in faith, 
hoping for the kingdom, but never receiving it. And Simeon, that's, 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 how we, that's how we have faith to see beyond. Because Simeon is looking at a baby who is going to save the people, not only Israel, but all the world. But he's not going to see it. But he's believing in it for the future. He continues to believe in it for the future, as he says in verse 34. Uh, Simeon blessed them, the parents now. He turns to the parents. And he said to Mary, his mother, behold... This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, to be spoken against. And isn't that what happens to Jesus? Don't people oppose Him? And He's a sign to be opposed. He's a miracle. He's a, he's, he's a sign of God's Word to be opposed. And then He has a little aside in verse 35. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. He was letting her know that the opposition to Jesus is going to cost her. It's going to hurt her into her soul like a sword piercing into her soul. But the reason why Jesus is, going, is appointed for the fall and the rise of many, the reason why He is assigned to be opposed is to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. All of this is stuff to come in the future. This is not anything that the baby is doing in his own. But Simeon, in faith, is seeing beyond what's in front of him. He's seeing beyond the present. He's seeing beyond his life. And that is faith. And, and that's what we need to have in our lives to believe. Uh, for years, I, I have struggled with and, and wished and hoped. Um, there have been people who who've passed away and it hurt. Not just to lose them, but also, you know... They, they've been members here for so long, they could remember when the church, every room was so full that we had to have two classes in the fellowship hall. And, and so many people. And, and over the years, we've struggled and we've, 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 not, we've lost those, those experiences. And, and they're not the end-all, be-all, and I realize that, but it's hard not to notice. And, and there are people who uh, left you know, they got upset about one thing or another and they left. And there were other people who got upset about one thing or another and stayed. Wonderful people who were hurt by something that happened in the church, but they stayed. And, and, and I so badly, so badly prayed and wished that they could see the church growing again before they died. The church full of kids again before they died, that God would continue uh, to be using the church that they had invested their lives in. And, and I mean, I'm specifically, I can tell you, I, this, was, this was a prayer of mine that, that was not answered when Joan Howard passed away. I wished she was so kind and so good to stick with us, even though she got hurt by some things. What graciousness, and it hurt, not just to lose her, because that was sudden and unexpected, but also, I really wished that she could have seen something more going on before she died. And there are people with us today. I, I, that's still my prayer. I hope that we will see that. But as we read this passage, as we think of Simeon and, and seeing, uh, having faith to see beyond, I realize that that's not the best thing to ask God for. That, that is fulfilling an earthly wish and desire on my behalf. 
and maybe on your behalf too. The greater thing is to instill in our hearts that faith in God that we don't have to see it. That faith in God that hopes against hope, that hopes, uh, that hopes beyond what we can see. And even when we see it and we think, ah, this is falling apart, but we have faith in God that it won't. That is the better thing to, to pray for people and, to, and to, to try to bestow in our lives instead of the easy visuals that I want. And that's what we're seeing in Simeon's life. He's got faith to see beyond. And, and my encouragement, my hope for us today and throughout this coming year is that we would have faith to see beyond. Beyond our immediate circumstances. Beyond our immediate short-sighted future. But maybe what is God doing that we can't even see? And to hope in that. And as we, as we live in obedience and, and w- by faith tr- seek to see beyond what is immediately in front of us and how our current circumstances are going, how do we, what else do we do? Now we come to the prophet Anna, or the prophetess Anna, excuse me. In verse 36, we're told that there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. She was only married for seven years. And there's no word here about any children. But she lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. We can infer that she has lived the bulk of her life as a widow without husband, without children. But what has she been doing with her life since then? We are told in verse 37, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. Simeon, we were told, was a righteous and devout person. Here we are seeing. We're not told she is. We're told what she does, and we can infer she is a righteous and devout person as well because she serves in the temple night and day with fastings and prayers. She goes without food in her prayer time. She is hungry for righteousness. And she is praying. And we're told in verse 38, at that very moment, as, as Simeon is prophesying over the child, at that very moment, she came up. So again, I think the Holy Spirit is working in this. He's bringing two witnesses to confirm about Jesus here. She came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Just as Simeon is looking for the consolation, she's looking for the redemption. Literally, the price paid to redeem somebody out of slavery. The ransom price. And, and, and she's not just looking for it, but there are other people there that are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And, and she is talking to them about this child that she had seen. And they pro- who knows what they thought? But again, she's 84 years old. Going to go out on a limb and suggest she doesn't see Jesus' ministry when he's in his 30s. But she has faith to see beyond her current, current situation. She has joy that she has been blessed to see him in her old age. There, there's, a, there's a thing going on here where it's just, you know, it's, there's such a blessing in the connection of the generations that, that skip a generation, you know? 
kids and grandparents or even great-grandparents. You don't have to be focused on how to raise them right. You can just love them. You know, the parents can raise them right. You can just love them. And we're seeing here is these two elderly people are seeing the future and the hope that's still to come. But look at what has marked her life. Anna served in the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayer. She, she doesn't have the ability to do a lot of things. But, and we're also told she's a prophetess, so apparently the Lord has been speaking through her to people from time to time. Or it's a description of her now that this has happened. But the focus is her service in the temple. As a widow, she is doing what she can. We're not told that she is uh, from, you know, well, she's from the tribe of Asher, so she is specifically not a Levite, and yet she is serving in the temple. And so that, that's my encouragement. My, my encouragement for us as we, as we look at the new year, and we don't know what the future may hold. We don't know how much of the future we're going to be a part of it. But we can live in obedience to what God has revealed to us, to, to do what He has shown us to do, what He has put in front of us to do. We can seek by faith and have faith in the Lord to look beyond what is immediately in front of us. And as we do that in this coming year, I want to encourage us, I want to encourage you to seek how you may serve. A, a life of faith, a living faith, is one that, that, that serves God and one another. And, and Anna was elderly and a widow. The life she should have had was to have had children and a husband for many years and experience the joy of, of having kids and grandkids in her older years. But she didn't have those things. What she had, though, was the opportunity to serve, and she sought how she might serve and seek the redemption and the consolation of Israel. And so she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayer. She, she sought that that she could do. And I want to encourage us to have a living faith. No matter where you are in life, no matter what circumstances you are under, there is a way for you to serve the Lord. And our job is not to serve Him as we have served Him in the past, or to serve Him how we dream we wish we could serve Him, but to seek how we may truly serve Him where we are in the circumstances that we have and in the talents and giftings that He has given us. And my encouragement for us this year, no matter what happens in the world, may we live in obedience to what God has told us to do. May we seek how we might serve. And might we live with a faith that sees beyond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank You, Father, that, that our, our hope is not ultimately in our own abilities or in our, what we can see happening. But Lord, we hope in You. And we desire, we earnestly desire to see Your salvation 
Lord, there are many who do not know Jesus. They need redemption. To be bought out of slavery to sin. And we know that You've already paid the price. You paid it on Calvary. Lord, may they receive it. May they know Him who died and rose again. And we pray, Lord, for us that we would be obedient to what You have called us to do. That we would strive to share our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, that that we would look beyond what we can see. That we would have faith to see Your victory. Your kingdom come and Your will be done. And we pray, Lord, in the time that we have that we would seek to serve You. That we would share what we have with those that need. We pray that we would give it all to You, Lord. In Jesus' name.